the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN 20 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. There is a house in New Orleans, they call the rising sun. up my friends this is the protect your neck podcast and i'm your host dan tom analyst is work you could find over at mma junkie as well as linemovement.com but on this here program the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma and that's what we're gonna do here today tonight whenever you're listening to this hopefully it's before the fight because i'm recording this on monday night west coast pacific time where the fights will be kicking off early in fact, so early, if you watch the TSN uh, you know, MMA uh, pre-show there with uh, Aaron Bronstetter on the para- old Periscope there, I'm sure Aaron will be yelling at me to wake up. Uh, but hey, it's going to be fun anyways, and let's see what I can give you tonight as far as what I'm targeting for uh, Wedness a day, right? Uh, UFC on Fight Island 8, of course, is what we're going to be breaking down. Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny, we're going to be doing that as per usual from top to bottom, and as per usual, you can find the timestamps to that in the show notes, which are provided in the audio version. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, going to improve that, I promise. But don't let that stop you from giving this video a like. And my channel is subscribed, Daniel Tom MMA. I certainly could use it. As well as the show notes in Apple Podcasts will be coming to other podcast pl- platforms. But, Daniel, you've been promising that for years. All right, I'm going to get to it. But that doesn't mean you can't. <laughs> I mean, that might be true, but that doesn't mean you still can't. You know, give me some five-star ratings and reviews there. They definitely help. <laughs> <laughs> but check the show notes again. We will uh, for when those uh, breakdowns will start. And if you want to listen to me even less, I do not blame you. You can always skip to the very end where I recap my picks and plays at the end of every episode. That is every breakdown episode. Uh, and as per usual, we're going to recap the previous card if there was one. And there was. It was ABC's debut for the UFC, UFC's a debut on ABC, UFC on ABC one, whatever the fuck we're calling it, UFC on Fight Island seven, uh, which Max Holloway as my dog Brownie is scratching herself. Don't scratch that side. Don't. Good girl. Uh, Max Holloway defeated Calvin Cater. Um, got washed on that card. Uh, but I believe uh, many of us did, as I'd say that to <laughs> feather, fe- feather my fall. Uh, no, no, not really. You guys know I will fall on my ass <laughs> in public and on here. It's kind of a part of the uh, program at this point. Uh, six and four overall picks. One and zero in straight plays since uh, the old Phil Hogg's play was canceled. Uh, hoping to see him back. Um, what do you have? An injured leg? I mean, ah, that's a bummer. I mean, does the commission know? I mean, guy's got three of them, right? I mean, he could have used. All right, Dan, just let it go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, sorry, folks. Uh, Max Holloway defeated Calvin Gator by unanimous decision. Boy, we're getting... Hey, it, it, full disclosure, I actually got like 12 minutes in, but um, <laughs> I, I fell into a pitfall that I'm going to try not to fall when I just give a quick shout to the Spencer Fisher article. That kind of got me bummed out. So we're going to try to start this on a more of a comical note. Um, but yeah, uh, Max Holloway, all the... Uh, perhaps it was the Spencer Fisher article, shouts to Stephen Morocco. Uh, former colleague there, now at MMA Fighting. I don't give a crap about uh, 
competition or perceived competition. Good work is good work, and uh, good peeps is good peeps. I love Stephen, and uh, that was a great, great work uh, that he's been hanging on to and needed to be done. Perhaps, though, the Spencer Fisherness was in the air, as even those of us like me who were picking Holloway and for better or for the most part, plotting how it would happen as far as the building nature um, and taking advantage of the shelling guard, we were still surprised. And at least for me, granted, I'm not one to take victory laps anyways, I don't even feel like I can claim being right because I felt so alarmist. Um, you know, because, again, whatever was kind of going around, I, I caught a bit of that, admittedly. And, you know, um, that's on me. But nonetheless, I was happy to see Max, even though I was kind of like, I probably should have took advantage of that line, dropped down to like minus 140, you know? Ah, sorry, I'm having some uh, Mexican Coke to help pep up my performance. Coca-Cola, folks. Coca-Cola, relax. The other stuff's for losers, although, you know, I um used to be very anti-soda. And I don't know what it is. I'm going to blame freaking Pam from South Carolina it's like a fight party that you know these things feel so foreign these days right I think it was like the Masvidal knockout one I don't know but it was like one of those things and someone will bring something over and leave it leave a bunch of it and you're like now I'm addicted to it thank you and uh, they brought over Coca-Cola I'm sure it was to mix with you know alcohol or something but I'm like oh my goodness because I, you know, had a deprived childhood where there were no sodas or anything like this in the house. This was a luxury. You know, so maybe it's a little bit of... Dan, this is not the psychological couch hour. Get, get to the breakdown. <laughs> and then he said they couldn't have it. I uh, know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. Uh, Cal uh, Calvin Cater, geez. Um, everyone is asking about this fight, by the way. I, I got more questions about like Max's performance and my thoughts uh, than usual um I don't know if it's because of uh you know McGregor excuse me fight week you know and the effects of it and I hate to even say that because it, to give him credit and take away from Max right I don't know what it is but like you know the ABC people were watching and um yeah, I haven't been able to rewatch it, man. I wish I could tell you, you know, jump into which was the soup du jour and deconstruct and tell you why or this or that. There's just no time with my beat, folks. And I really regret it on times like this. But as the great John Anik says, you got to turn the page if you're a part of this preparation grind. And the grind has stepped up some on the three fight week. Everyone's a bit thrown off, right? Not complaining. Love it. Absence makes the heart grow fond, folks. So. When I'm being hipster and contrarian, you're rolling your eyes. Not saying you don't have the right to, and you probably should, in fact. But also keep in mind, uh, me and the people who also echo my opinions, we're saying it for a reason. There are positives to be had when you come up for air every once in a while or when the schedule allows you to, okay? Can we concede that? God forbid. Alrighty. It was awesome to have the UFC and big MMA back in that sense. And it really closed out well. I know the prelims didn't, you know, weren't as fun. But, you know, the main card was, you know, 6-4 and four overall, I believe. Uh, 1-0, oh, yeah, that's right, we had this. <laughs> that's right, Dan. That's where I got distracted. Um, yeah, and it was squashed on the parlay pieces, of course, and 0-1 uh, in the prop uh, selection. So, uh, but yeah, I, I wish I, I, I would have jumped on that Max Holloway. I do feel like the fight should have been stopped, even though I did call the decision for it to be happening. 
Um, it's tough to, you know, fully blame the ref or fully blame the corner. Uh, both, obviously, um, always have to, I would hope, you know, hold themselves accountable as, as far as the refs especially. Uh, but I'm not going to pile on anybody here. Obviously, you guys know I'm a big fan of uh, Tyson Chartier, the New England cartel. Um, hopefully, it was just a big learning experience for all of them and, and that Calvin's okay. And um, in their defense, even though I thought it, you know, even though I thought the ref could have stopped it in four, and then the corner could have not let round five happen, um, it wasn't like. And we'll talk about this when I talk about the Mike Davis portion of the next card, where he fought Thomas Gifford, where there was hesitation, um, negative slash questionable responses, bad looks, everything. Like Cater looked on, was responding, and. Um, you know, just too tough for his own good, which is the problem, right? That's the damn problem. Um, and uh, just just too tough for his own good. And, and um, yeah, we got the amazing, you know, I'm the best boxer because the fight wasn't stopped, granted. But, you know, it's like, and, and again, you know, you listen to Bisping, what was that fight with Gifford and Davis ends with a knockout? You know, that was just, was coming the whole way. And it was like... It's a great knockout, but do we need to see that? Like, we already knew the guy was outclassed. What, why do we need to see him just get senselessly beat on? And, again, that was another corner whom I, I, uh, I feel like I need to stop hailing. Uh, <laughs> so when I really get behind these corners, like, these things happen. But these things happen in MMA, not to steal Gus Johnson, because that was another corner I respect there. And at the time was really riding them high before people were picking up on it. Um, not taking, giving myself credit or anything, but, you know, contrarian Dan, when you're contrarian, you tend to give the, the it was Mark Montoya, um, these smaller camps, more credit before they start getting big credit. So that's kind of, again, it wasn't just bias for these awards that I gave. It's kind of a trend I've always done, whether I know the coaches or not. More often, do not. So, um, yeah, uh, but even, you know, and again, we saw that with Anthony, him and Krause as well, with the Anthony um, Smith and Teixeira. Not to rehash or relitigate any of these things, because, uh, again, I respect all these people. Um, it just... An unfortunate system we got to figure out how to be better at, really, is what it is. Um, you know, so I'm not going to point fingers. I'm just going to really hope we can, you know, be better. Uh, I'm glad the guys got, even though it wasn't a fight of the night to me, much less fight of the year. I don't know why people are saying that. Uh, I am, guess I'm, even though there could have been other fights that got it, I guess I'm glad of that distinction because of the amount of damage Cater took. And you can't put a price tag on it. And if you could, it's certainly a hell of a lot more than 50000 grand or $50,000. But uh, um, that should help Cater take what is a deserved and needed break. Uh, so hopefully he's uh, just can, you know, yeah, get that deserved break in. We'll see what's next for Holloway. Carlos Khan had defeated Matt Brown. Not much to say there. It was a good fight between our older dudes. I'm all down with that. Man, I, I didn't back China, and I paid. I was posting some Chinese photos today, too. Li Jingliang defeated Santiago Ponzanibio because he didn't bow your head. This is the guy I was singing last week. Bow your head. Um, Santiago Ponzanibio didn't uh, roll under his two. He didn't bow his head. Um, and, yeah, he really paid for it. Uh, I can't remember if that was a problem with him before or not, but he really just seemed like he was trying to find his feet out there and couldn't. And um, Jing Liang just uh, checked him on the way out. Man, tough for Ponzi and uh, great great one for, for, for Lee. 
Uh, I'm sure that busted uh, some pallies as mine got busted uh, before this. Um, Alessio DiCirco, this is what busted me for sure, and many, uh, defeated Joaquin Buckley via head kick. Whew. Props to the gentleman, I forget, but I retweeted him. Um, who was pointing out Buckley's stance. That, like, yeah, it looked like he could see it coming, and then he couldn't get it out of the way, and sure enough, that stance did not help. Um, and then, of course, DiCirco, so Italian, so passionate. I say this was with Italian money in my blood, but, like, he's just, like, one of those dudes that just, he's got, like, that Tony Ferguson in him, too, as well, where it's just, like, he's not going to be happy with no matter what. Uh, so he was just, you know, like, tied to this narrative of, like, you know, Screw you guys for not talking to the losers. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. Like, it's whatever. Uh, good for Alessio, though, man. Um, Punheli Soriano. There's, going through all my Chinese, Italian, Hawaiian. We're going through all Dan Tom's heritage here. He defeated Disco Todorovic via TKO punches. Yeah, it was just that same shot. Uh, I believe I said it on this show, um, as well as a, maybe a couple others. But the Teddy Ash, you see that Teddy Ash fight. He hit Teddy Ash is orthodox, by the way, and he just shifts to southpaw when Desco goes against the fence and hits him with like the same left hand that Puna nuked that left shrimp with. So um, we saw that again. Um, I don't know if I would go so hard on the referee, which was Herb again, I believe, for this one, for the late stoppage, because a lot of the shots that were pushing Dusko back were, like, look like borderline head clashes, or, like, I know one of them was, like, a chest slash, like, neck punch that kind of just pushed Dusko back, as opposed to, like, a clean shot. Um, so there was a lot of slop uh, in there, before uh, slop and, and, and uh, slop collisions. Um before the more of Soriano's clean shots could get through, but man, big congrats to Soriano and Eric Nixick. That was easily the biggest win, which you know kept me in some beer money. But that was about it. it was a losing night, but uh, not as bad. Um, thanks to Soriano, Jocelyn Edwards defeated Wu Yanan. Wu man, Wu. The Chinaman is not the issue, dude. Um, sorry, big Lebowski. I say Wu. Woo. Um, yeah. Uh, Edwards. Um, fun. Transitions well. Hope she gets better and we see more. Carlos Felipe defeated Justin Taffa. I thought Taffa got one and three, but, you know, I'm not going to throw a hissy fit over it. Uh, Ramzan Mif came through. It's like the parlay piece for me that came through. Um, defeated David Zavada. Split decision. Fun fight. Um, I had 29 28 of Mif. Zavada really improved his gas tank because uh, he's faded in a lot of fights, and Amiv answered the call like he uh, he usually does. He usually, unless I think one fight, he was kind of suspect um, in round three, but usually it's not a problem for Amiv. Vanessa Mello defeated Sarah Morass. Uh, this was a tough one to watch, um, not just because I bet on it, but because uh, more you know the corner because I'm a you know I, Dennis Davis man, taught me my first triangle defense. Uh, nothing but love for, for Coach D there. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's two other people in the corner I'm not familiar with, so I, I, I don't know what's going on there, but whoever was on the initiative as far as, you know, um, not doing shots or, you know, just keeping it striking, 
ah, that was tough to see. Um, because, yeah, and then, like, it wasn't even, like, Mello was, was, she was still doing a lot of the stuff that, you know, I and, and others have criticized for, where she's just throwing ones, and so even in a fight where she was clearly winning, she was throwing enough to where, you know, I was, I would have still been worried if I was on the Mello side, just because it was such a bad fight that, like, once you start letting the, it be even more open to interpretation for the judges, if that makes sense, it becomes a very dangerous thing, so... Um, Moras seems uh, so, 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 uh, surprised. Uh, perhaps not when she goes and watches it back. Um, yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, Austin Lingo defeated Jacob Kilburn via unanimous decision. Um, yeah, man. Um, Kilburn just tough as nails, and uh, Lingo. I did take a little bit of that inside. Uh, at plus money, but I just uh, also sprinkled them last minute. Thankfully, uh, one of my plays, I, par- I parlayed them with Ameev. Those are like the only two parlay pieces that came through for the night. Um, so I can't be too mad at that. And then uh, always good to see, uh, whether I pick them or pick against them, uh, always good to see Fortis and many people uh, get a win. Uh, shouts to Safe Sayu there. All right, that wraps up that one. How did we do? Probably longer than I like. 17 minutes? Eh, not bad. All right, let's carry over uh, to UFC on ABC, or UFC uh, Fight Island 8, UFC on ESPN 20, I should say. Well, we're going to go from top to bottom. Uh, we got Neil Magny minus 145, Michael Chiesa plus 125. Um, I'm not sure if the video is out on MMA Junkie yet, but I'll have a written uh, uh, coming out for this one. Uh Basically, I'm going to be taking Kiesa here. Um, it's Kiesa within the first couple of rounds. Otherwise, Neil Magny should be taking over. And then it's a question of can Kiesa hang on slash not give away too many 10-8s. Um, or, you know, um, and maybe we, we're looking at it like a close fight, like with the Gastelum fight where, you know, it was the only other fight where Neil Magny went the whole five rounds. Um, but it'll be Kiesa's first time in championship rounds, so it's hard to be confident there. You do like the uptrends as far as welterweight size and filling out, and you know he, he's a guy who hustles and is urgent and gets after it. The question is, you know, can he beat Magny? Magny five and three against UFC level southpaws, but let's be honest, it's not really going to be a striking affair um, that's going to decide this fight. Unfortunately for Magny, because he's the better striker. Uh, however, again, Magny, no issue with him, be- him being favored, favored for a reason. Um, on paper, poised to take over this fight. Uh, I just feel like if you are a fighter that knows your role and how to stay in your role in some kind of specialty, those fighters tend to be Magni, whether it's the leg kicks of Larkin, uh, the submissions of um, Maya, uh, or other Brazilians, right? Um, And so forth. It's guys who get an MMA fight, guys who try to finish Magni and fail and gas themselves out. Those are the ones that have always gotten in trouble. Ah, that's good. Um, so with that in mind, uh, how's Kiesa going to stack up? Uh, I think Kiesa has the back controls um, to not fall off and get overzealous. Uh, that Magni can just tripod up to his feet in reverse position and start scrambling so easy like everybody else does. However, Magni doesn't always do that. Um, oddly enough, after he got beat by Maya, like everyone remembers the story of him going and taking like Maya seminar. 
Um, like he actually applied that stuff. Like Magni does my favorite getup. He'll do half guard getups now, and those are much safer. Um, even though I feel like Kiesa can play out those well because it can. Uh, guys have kind of made some more getups on him before. He he's smart enough to go to the front headlock, resnap, and then reshoot back around to the back. Um, that being said, when Magni is against the fence, uh, half guards and any type of guard retentions or play is much harder. So in those situations, he will tripod and then, but he will smartly kind of keep his back toward the fence, almost like a cheese grater as much as possible to deny some back leverage there. But as we've seen, Kiesa tends to get his best takedowns and even back takes because he's such a shuck behind, go behind guy against the fence. Um, and Magni against grapplers and strikers, uh, or just fighters in general that he probably could use some taking the center on. What does he naturally do? He fights on the outside. It's been something, it's been one of all the improvements that Magni's made. That's one thing he has a hard time getting away from. He always falls back into that cage side, uh, fence line gallop. And he, so he's going to give Kiesa everything he needs early to win this fight. And Kiesa was a guy to sub Benil Darius, you know what I'm saying? I think he can RNC Magni. Now, if I'm wrong, um, then for sure he's going to tire himself up tr trying to do so. And again, he's going to have to hope that he got like a 10-8 and a 10-9, and then he's gassed, you know, round three, loses round three, and then, just, you know, try not to give up 10-9s or 10-8s in round four or five or get finished. You know, it could be easily be something like that. Um, so it might be one of those things where there's enough straight plays, which I'll get to. The, and the, I was at first I was afraid. I thought Kiesa was actually going to be favored, which is maybe part of the reason why I'm taking him here. Um, so I was afraid that we weren't going to see dog money, but it seems like this line's either going to stay in place, maybe expand a little bit. Either way, I feel like this is going to be one of those. If first of all, play whatever the hell you you freaking want, but I'll tell you my strategy. We'll just say that, okay? You do whatever you want. Um, I'm real tempted to sprinkle on Kiesa small because it's nothing that I'm super confident on, nor should you be. Either way, mind you. Um, so I think whether, this, regardless of what side you're on, but for example, I'm on the dog. I'm going to wait and see how my other plays do. If I'm doing good, I have a little bit extra to spare. Yeah, I'll, I'll sprinkle a bit on Kiesa for fun. That's how I treat this one. Mm, or if you think that Kiesa will have to go so hard, and that it's so unknown that if he does, doesn't does get the finish, he'll eventually get finished. I think if you can find under four and a halfs out there, I'm seeing him listed at plus money. So that is, you know, an addition slash addition slash hedge. If you want to try to go that route, which failed me last week, by the way. I got Soriano, but I missed the over, right? Um, all right, next fight, Munir Laziz. Uh, minus 240, Warley Alves plus 200. Um, yeah, this line kind of opened even, and now it's almost like you can make argument for value on Alves. Uh, I wouldn't do that. However, I will take the argument um, of that point inflation point to say that it it's starting to scare me now whenever we get super confident on these new guys. Lizez, aside from being a kickboxing trainer in Dubai's team Noguera, it's not like he's... I don't, couldn't find a kickboxing record uh, there for him. Um, he doesn't have any kickboxing or karate or traditional martial arts or Muay Thai even listed in his own bio. 
the guy does say in his own bio that he's only been training martial arts. He started at the ripe age of 21 years old. He is now 34. So, um, let's be careful about like acting like this dude's like super prospect. That being said, I do like what I see. Obviously, he does have a chin, even if he does rely a bit too much on that shelling guard. He leaves the body open, which could be bad for some people. But I don't think Alves goes to the body enough, aside from the occasional uh, middle kick. Um, and I saw those more in earlier Alves's career, now that I think about it. Um, we saw what the knees did with uh, James Krause. Um, I think that Lezez's knees will definitely have play with the way he throws them. And Alves, the reason why I've been cashing like with dudes like Brian Barberina since back at UFC 198 is because the dude is a habitual clock checker. Dude is a clock checker. Uh, cue the Dave Chappelle voice. He's a habitual clock checker. Uh, line stepper. Like, you could, like, watch, like, the fucking build-up videos they used to do back in the day. And, like, he's doing mid-sessions. And, like, the guy looks like he's gonna, he's dying on the mid-sessions. Like, looking up the clock. Like, dude, it's a two-minute round in the mids. Fucking, can you stay focused? Jesus, you're a UFC fighter for crying out loud. Sorry, I'm always so hard on Warley. Sound like such a dick. I'm not this much of a dick to anybody, much less by just, I don't know what it is. He just has the fade magnet for me. That's why I'm pretty much always right in fading him and uh, even make bonus money because uh, I always uh, target them round threes and stuff or, you know, or, or, or little angles like that or come close to it at the very least, like with um, Usman or, again, I think even Barb's as well. Um,. But, yeah, I think Lizette is going to take him out in round three. Um, look for that prop to drop. It hasn't dropped any of the books that I'm using yet. Um, but that's what I'm going to play. I'm going to play uh, Lizette's uh, round three. Uh, maybe even a little bit round two, but I really think it's round three, especially looking at Lizette's work rate um, and style. Uh, all right. Uh, not much to say there, I guess. Ike Villanueva, minus 140. Excuse me. Vinicius Mojeda, plus 120. Um, I'm going to take Ike here because he was training, training at Extreme Couture and staying active um, this this last year and since his uh, two UFC appearances. He looks, guy looks like he really wants it. Um, in better shape each time out. Expect him to look in better shape here, whereas Mojeda, you're like, wait. He's younger, and then you look at him, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is the dude that just gets knocked out, throws really ugly strikes, like just seriously some of the worst striking technique in, like, all the divisions. Um, we haven't seen him for a year, granted, but it's like, is he just a jiu-jitsu guy? And even then, I don't even think he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, even though he has one tattooed on him, but it looks like the Black Rifle Coffee Company logo, which is you know, not problematic or uh, controversial at all. <laughs> I was like, what's going to have a black rifle tattoo on him? He was really trying to get, got, really trying to get inside the contender series, but I looked closer and it was actually like a black belt, like this is some jujitsu tattoo. Um, but yeah, I don't know if he gets Ike Villanueva down in the big cage. And um, Ike just seems like a pretty well-rounded MMA guy, man, and takes it... Um, Takes it more serious than the odds makers give him credit, so uh, we'll go with Ike here. But I'm 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 staying away from 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 that thing probably. Um, Viviana Araujo is going to take on Roxanne. 
You don't have to fight in Abu Dhabi tonight. The judges, they are sweating. They don't care if they get it wrong or get it right. Rising. Sorry, guys. <sighs> Apologize for line movement listeners who follow me here, and you just got a bit of a different version of it, but you got another version nonetheless. I am actually going to go with Viviana Araujo, despite that um, awful, awful singing. Um, I think this line's inflated. I mean, it, it is inflated from the opener, but it, it, it's going to play out a lot closer than what the odds are. So if you were playing this chalk, you're either going to sweat or maybe lose some random split. Uh, I do think the athleticism um, should be the differentio. Araujo also not above her grappling experience, accolades and experience, uh, even in Japan. If you go look at her record and her resume, by the way. Um, she's also like 33 or 34, so she can, she's now spring chicken, so you got to be careful judging, you know, assuming she's a rookie one way or the other, right? Um, Roxanne's been improving uh, her striking and all that stuff. Um, I didn't want go back to rewatch that eye fight with Ada Ujo, but I remember pacing and strength and enough positional savvy to use that strength could be problems as far as banking rounds. I believe that was why she lost. So you think Mudafari, the improved version, could do it, but the problem is, I believe, especially Mudafari's upsets, right? Um, they come in the small cage, and except for the fight we're going to talk about in a few, um, most of these are fav- the big cages favoring the favorite from a stylistic standpoint, and that is the case here. A lot of room for Ada Ujo to move around and re-compose uh, herself if she needs and all that good stuff. So I'm going to take Ada Ujo here, but something tells me, maybe it's because there's just a whole bunch of parlay busters. Maybe there's none this card, but of course there's always at least one or two every MMA card. So uh, I think this could be one, but I'm going to pick Ada Ujo. We'll see. All right. Another one. We'll see, but uh, if it is or not in the similar range. Minus 310. Inflated, but I can see why for Lerone Murphy versus Douglas De Silva. DeAndrage, plus 255, mini Vitor with the haircut. Again, they got to let Douglas De Silva just fight with, like, a cut-off denim, you know, especially when he's got his mullet ponytail going on. Just give him some cut-off denim with his fingerless gloves. I mean, this guy is just, you know, it's like a character. Um, But, um, yeah, I'm taking Leron Murphy. I really like what I see from him. He can step back and kind of shift on the back foot, set up things, uh, put stuff together coming forward. A really a ground and pound great game, underrated, you know, top game that could be coming together that he gave us glimpses of. I think he's going to go to that here when you look at Douglas Silva D'Andrage, who doesn't defend takedowns very well, and most of the times he's got up in recent fights have been due to ref stand-up. So I think Murphy is going to be smart and take it to the ground, but I also think he's good enough to... Swing on the feet is just a dangerous proposition with Douglas De Silva. Power is the last thing to go, even if he is a bit more written. At this point, it's like you're using Laurel Murphy as the parlay piece because I'm not sure if he's going to finish. Um, De Silva, D'Andrade or not, I think I officially went with Murphy by decision, so I'll stick with that, but it's nothing that I'm like confident as far as a betting angle, so be careful um, there, but I don't blame you for using Murphy as a parlay piece. Next, Tyson Nam, minus 125, Matt Schnell. Plus 105. I've been seeing some movement on this line. Um, like Chanel minus 105 at some places, which tells me money's coming in on him. So um, 
I'm going to wait a little bit to see if that trend happens. Otherwise, uh, at minus 125 or maybe even, my, you know, no higher than minus 130. Minus 125, I should say. Uh, I might even take um, for Tyson Nam here. Um, I forgot that I broke this fight down the first time it happened because it was canceled twice, but one of them was, like, really on the day of, and the other one was, like, a low-key. And, like, you know... Um, no specific reason. Media, I know, have tried to. I think James Lynch. Shout out to James Lynch. I mean, Octagon Outlook with um, my man Dan Levy there um, was saying he tried to reach out to him, but he wasn't doing media. Uh, definitely didn't acknowledge it on his. He acknowledges the first one, but he doesn't acknowledge the second pullout on his Instagram. Um, he is training at Fortis MMA Matt Schnell, which is great camp, great trend for him. Big cages. Uh, good good for the underdog here. This is the fight that I was talking about. Uh, because by decision would probably be his best route. I don't think he's going to submit Nam. Not just because Nam has never been submitted before. But because Nam doesn't throw himself out of position on the feet. He is very similar on the ground. He doesn't allow himself to get out of position very much on the ground. He's very strong and has good wrestling to clinch fundamentals. Especially with his more Muay Thai sensibilities from that sense. Good strong base and balance. He's big strong for the division. Which is his 125 fight. Um, so I don't think he's going to, uh, you know, unless he just really just, you know, pulls a random Marcos and Mackenzie Dern by jumping straight into the guard carelessly. Like, I don't think Chanel's getting the submission here. So it's probably going to be decision or bust for him, where I can understand people saying Nam, KO or bust. But with the line as low as it is now, and especially if he starts trending anywhere toward even or, gosh forbid, plus money, I say you just take him straight up. Um... It's kind of like one of those things where it's like you can say the layoff over a year is not bad for Schnell because he's got a suspect chin. And he's a guy who always is training with like big name dudes, big name camps. Um, strikes me as a guy who stays active in shapes, always learning, passionate dude. I, I love listening to Matt Danger Schnell interviews. Looks like John John Rico, man. How can I not, not love the dude, right? Um, that being said, I, I just I feel like just Tyson Nam is like one of the worst matchups for him. If he can't stay away because of the power and Tyson Nam's urgency to corral guys more. Now, those performances also came in the smaller cage. Hopefully, Tyson Nam can bring and execute off that same energy in the bigger cage. Um, but in case he can't and it's a sweaty fight to the decision, I'll just take the Tyson Nam money line. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I will be. Ricky Simon Vato, Ricky Simon. Uh, I'm doing that one minus four fifty versus uh, Gaetano Perello plus three sixty. Mm. God damn it, soda's good. What will Brian Boitano do? I don't know what Gaetano's gonna do to be honest. Really trying not to make stupid jokes here. Um. <laughs> I'm going to take Ricky Simon Vato uh, to, to, to win. Obviously, reasons. He's obvious parlay piece already for people uh, with the way the, the line is. Um, and yeah, uh, Gaetano taking this on short notice. I forget who's. Uh, oh, you're supposed to fight Boom Kelleher. That's right. Bummer, man. Hope uh, Boom's doing uh, well. It was cool to see him on Octagon Outlook last week. All right. Um, but yeah, I'm taking Ricky Simone there. We'll just save time. Um, Sue Maderji minus 470. We're seeing a similar spread here against Zaruk Adeshev. Zaruk, Zaruk, Zaruk is on the floor. Somebody go check on him. Is he all right? Adeshev. Uh, yeah, Adeshev uh, got 
uh, mopped up by Nam, I think, his last time out, right? And um, Sumaderji, looks like they're setting him up to do uh, do work here. <laughs> As Dan Levy called him, the Chinese Connor. Uh, I believe this guy's from Tibet. I'm not sure, but he's done some training out here um, in Vegas with uh, some lighter weight guys that uh, I respect. Uh, shouts to uh, Bryce Harley and company. Uh, I'm not sure if Sue was back out for this camp or not, but I know last year he definitely spent time out here um, with some of the Extreme Couture gang, some of the 10th Planet peoples, uh, was it the PI, so on and so forth. Uh, speaking of which, we've been out here since at least November. I'm taking Sumaderji, by the way, and yeah, I, you know everything is juiced to all hell, even inside the distance and knockout. So what are you gonna do? Uh, speaking of training and Las Vegas and Extreme Tour and the PI, Dolce La Giambula, minus one thirty-five. Marcus Perez plus one fifteen. La Giambula opened at like minus three, something stupid. Granted. Um, which was like minus 330 or what was it? A minus 350. So I don't know if it should have been that high, but he definitely should be favored over Marcus Perez. I know he got knocked out by a southpaw in his last fight, but that wasn't just any southpaw. I mean, that was Magomed Ankalaev, Dagestani Stipe. I mean, that guy is for real. I mean, you know, say what you will about sanctions uh, whatever his connections are, the guy's fucking good, right? Um, and it was like a crazy like front kick that I'm sure Marcus Perez will imitate it because Marcus Perez, as I've said many times before, is simply an imitation of fighters. He is just, does his Anderson, Tony Fricklin up elbow impression, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to do the Yair Rodriguez elbow in this next fight and get knocked the fuck out when doing it. And um, I'm tired of going back and forth on Marcus Perez, especially after the last fight. I feel like he kind of proved my suspicion all along that the guy is not good. Never was good. Just tried to be like Conor McGregor. Like, if you go to like, look at some of his regional fights, like, he's all trying to do the Conor haircut and the, like, you know, then he, then he impersonates the Joker at the weigh-ins. Like, this guy is just... <sighs> but you know what I'm betting on? I'm betting on his best impersonation. A losing fighter. <laughs> Dan, why are you being such a dick? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, Jesus. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna I'm gonna fade him here. Um, he is, tra- you know, it's his like third camp or something like an American Top Team. But I don't uh, great camp, obviously. But I don't know if that's gonna make the difference. I'm still not impressed with Perez, who's not even a black belt. I figure he's a brown belt. Um, even though he hit one of my favorite submissions, admittedly, in the LFA on uh, Ian Heinish, definitely his best win. Um, he's going to need some kind of opportunistic stuff like that against uh, Dolce. Um, otherwise, I think Dolce's striking power and his judo is going to be able to dictate um, this fight, which is either going to be a weird decision where he's going to be landing the harder shots or uh, he's just going to knock him the F out, which I think he's going to happen. So for minus 135, which is like straight play territory at a discounted price, um, I'm going to play against the public here, and I'm going to consider this a discount. I'm going to trust me eyes. And uh, I took uh, Dolce for 1.5 units. So, um, so yeah, I got a favorite and a dog I'm looking at that I haven't pulled the trigger on, uh, and a favorite and a dog that I have pulled the trigger on. There's the favorite that I pulled the trigger on. The dog will come uh, in in a bit. Um, 
Francisco Figueredo, minus 150. Jerome Rivera, plus 130. Um, Francisco Figueredo is also a sushi chef, as I posted on Twitter. It says, a job before fighting, it says, sushi man. He was a sushi man. Yeah, delivering the sushi. That's, even, that's right. Nice and raw. Jesus, Dan. All right. Uh, he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, though. Um, uh Seems to be more favorable uh, as far as that stylistically than his brother, Jerome Rivera, uh, a brown belt, I believe, and, you know, likes to use his long frame as well. I just, I don't know. I'm going to fade. I admittedly didn't do any uh, heavy tape study on uh, old Francisco Figueredo there. Um, and Jerome Rivera, it's tough. Like I could see why people could get excited about him. But it's just like that those tall guys at lighter weight classes that maybe cut too much weight, their bodies start to fall apart. Or become unreliable. And I feel like Jerome Rivera's got a little bit of that going on. So even though just because he's someone's brother doesn't mean he's going to be as good, I will pick Francisco Figueroa here. And probably just stay the F away from this fight, to be honest. Next fight. Uh, Mike Davis minus 160. Mason Jones plus 140. I don't know if I'll be staying away from this one because my opinion changed. Um, I like Mike Davis, and who opened it, I believe, an even bigger favorite. Um, and again, kind of like a thing where it's like, okay, is it is the public minus 300 he opened? Or are you getting a discounted line on Mike Davis now? I actually agree with the public after going with this one. Now, I'm not confident. I think Mike Davis could definitely ice, ice him, especially, you know, in the first half of the fight. Um, not that Davis doesn't have pop late or doesn't have third-round finishes and we saw what he did to Gifford. But even in that one-way traffic, we almost saw him, like, having to, like, not tire, but, like, repace and re-steady himself in a fight that he was completely in control of, which, coupled with the other fights that we have seen, makes me wonder if, you know, I know he got hurt with, into the leg, at least, at the very least, plus the knockdowns against the Deacon Contender Series. Great fight. Not hating on Davis, by the way. Fan of his uh, for that. And just saying, um, that was the reason for that fight, him losing it. But he just does strike me as if you can survive the power and put a pace on him, things can open up for you. Um, perhaps why, you know, Burns, you know, just, just went at him as well. You know, who knows? Um, but uh, that's kind of my instinct. And this guy, this guy, who's oh, freaking walking here, <laughs> you know, Dan, let me break down the fight for you. It's crazy. Uh, this guy, Mason Jones, uh, he, he's got, like, this Welsh dude, he's got that intangible, man. He's got that attitude intangible. So those guys that, like, you know, the Connors have when they come over and whatnot. I know it's the low-hanging fruit because he is a undefeated, even though Connor wasn't, um, Cage Warriors, double champ, uh, Jones is. Uh, and granted, he shouldn't be fighting at welterweight even though he's 5'10 and has knockout power. Clearly, he, does, he, he would be undersized at the UFC level easily. He probably won't even look like the biggest lightweight in the world, although he is a sizable and um, slightly above average uh, one-sized uh, lightweight, Mason Jones is. But like everything he hits guys with seems to have real power and pushes guys back, especially with his left hand, which he's good at starting and finishing his combinations with. Now his defense leaves stuff to be desired, but his this left hand finishing. And I'm gonna I never call this, but I'm gonna call this here, folks. I don't know if there's gonna be a knockout from it. 
but I guarantee you there's going to be at least one instances of Mason Jones and Mike Davis hooking each other, exchanging hooks at the same time, all like Condit and um, Dan Hardy style. I can see it with this stylistically flow. Um, defense, I'm going to give edge to uh, Mike Davis, especially with the head movement. But Mason Jones isn't without defense. He's just so darn aggressive, and he's so offensively minded um, that you just don't see a, a ton of it on display. So I, if you're sprinkling on Jones here, which I, I haven't, and I'm not sure if I will. I might just sit back and enjoy this one. Um you're probably going to be sweating a lot early because even in his Cage Warriors fights, he's taking a lot of damage early a lot of times, or at least at the very least he's hittable uh, early, I think is fair to say. Um, but he seems to take over, man. The dude's got the attitude intangibles, some decent wrestling, good judo, judo black belt, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, kickboxing uh, boxing record, um, kickboxing experience, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to take... Uh, Mason Jones to pull away. I don't know if he gets a finish or not, but um, I'm going to take him in a crazy fight. But uh, it's going to be a crazy fight, so be careful what you're playing. If you already played, good luck. Um, wow, this line keeps going up. Manon Fidiot, minus 200 now. She opened as the favorite, but not that high. Uh, against Victoria Leonardo, plus 170, who was on Contender Series. Um, I don't remember being too impressed with Leonardo because I don't remember her too much. And Fadiot, I didn't watch too much of her footage. Uh, she does have a... She's a lifelong martial artist, though, and it says so on her bio. I mean, this girl's been doing all sorts of stuff from karate to kickboxing since she was a little girl. You know, I'm a big karate kickboxing fan, so I'll go with the karate kickboxer who's probably favored for a reason, but I'm going to put it on the avoid list. Because this is just has a void written all over it, and I didn't tape it. So there's my honest breakdown. All right, next fight. Uh, Tom Breeze minus 160 versus Omari Ahmedov. A Durka Durka Jad. Uh, plus 140 now. Jesus, what is he? What is going on here? What did this open at? He opened at plus 120s, which is what I played Omari. I'm taking Omari Akhmedov here. He let me down last time. Uh, maybe that's why it's recency bias, where Tom Breeze is coming off a win. Granted, it's against you know a guy in KB Bueller who would, was not really proven and was coming off a giant layoff, yada, yada. Not shitting on the guy, just saying what it is. Um, it just seems off here, man. I don't think Breeze, even though I know he has some wrestling amateur in his background, but far as what he really has applied in MMA, I don't see him going to be able to take Akhmedov down. Even Akhmedov is dead tired. He's still going to keep fighting. He's not going to give things up. Um, Breeze, you know, maybe he comes out and just puts on a boxing clinic, you know? But I just feel like it's going to take one hard check or hard counter for Akhmedov to kind of change course of this fight. I feel like he's super live. Um, and I jumped on Akhmedov here at Dog Money. I, I don't feel like he should be the underdog here. No offense to Breeze, um, it just you know it's just hard hard hard, uh, hard guy to rely on you know, and I'm not even talking about the mental stuff or whatnot. Um, props to him for admitting that. That makes me even bigger Breeze fan that he does. But you know we we just got to judge the you know critically for what they do in the cage, and you just see that shut off like in the Brandon Allen fight when the fight starts not going his way, and I just you know. Uh, hopefully that KB Bullar fight gave Breeze the confidence he needed, but I don't know about minus 160 the betting window for that speculation. I'll take a plus 140 for what I feel 
should be the favorite uh, in Alkhamadov. So that's my underdog play. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I actually put two units on that. Say what you will. Uh, make make of that what you will. Uh, last fight, um, Umar under Magomedov, minus 525. Khabib's uh, cousin, uh, shout out to TSOP Pod, uh, versus Sergey Morozov, uh, plus 415. So I was looking at, um, oh, so Magomedov, I was looking at both their bios. Magomedov, um, like obviously, okay, combat Sambo world champion. Surprise, surprise, right? Um, master of sports amateur like MMA or something like that. Like surprise, surprise, this guy has been being groomed. Okay, let's go. So let's look at let's look at uh let's look at Sergey. What does what does what does Morozov uh, have going for him? And here's what I wrote in my notes, folks. Morozov has a bachelor's degree in oil and gas. Yeah, bachelor's degree in oil and gas. So yeah, that's why the line is minus five twenty-five to plus four fifteen. Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh Jesus. In Soviet. All right, Detroit. Every day you work very hard, you get one shiny penny. <laughs> that's that was that was the, that was Dana making this fight. All right, Detroit. Yes. <laughs> Oh god, I gotta go find that Simpsons clip now. That is like fucking evergreen like commentary on the state of MMA. <laughs> All right, Detroit. All right. Jesus Christ. Okay, we're gonna review. How do we do on time, folks? Forty nine minutes, not too bad for expedited. Okay, so from top to bottom, I'm taking Kiesa over Mag Mag Magna. Taking uh, Lizez over Warley Alves. Taking Isaac Villanueva over Vinicius Mojeda. Taking Viviana Araujo over Roxanne Taking Lerone Murphy over Douglas De Silva. Get him a cutoff denim jacket, Deandraj. Taking Tyson Nam over John John Rico, Matt Schnell. Taking Ricky Simon Vato over... Gaetano, what would Brian Boitano Pirello do? Taking Sumaderji over Zarak, Zaruk, Zaruk is on the floor. Taking Dolce Lagiambula over Marcus Perez. I wonder if he's going to be the Joker of the weigh-ins. Taking Francisco Figueredo over Jerome Rivera. Taking Mason, Mason Jones over Mike Davis. Taking Manon Fieriot over Victoria Leonardo. Leonardo, Leonardo? The city of Leonardo. Another Clerks animated series. Taking Omari Akhmedov. Over Tom Breeze. Taking Umar Nurmagomedov over Sergei Bachelor of Oil in Yes. I show you. I have masters in Yes. You come, smell. Morozov. Um, no parlay pieces that I can get behind too critically hard. Um, took Omar Akhmedov at plus 120 for two units. Why oof me there. Dolce minus 140 at 1.5 units. I'm going to 
take Nam, but I haven't yet. May sprinkle on Chiesa when I'm doing good. Oh, I wrote Mason Jones live. I said I might stay away. Uh, Mason Jones may, may be like a guy you want to live bet because, like, again, he takes damage early. And Davis looks good, and then, you know, maybe he takes over. Uh, who knows? Just worth looking at. Um, props, I haven't played anything official, but I will be targeting some type of, of angles in regards to Lazez in round three over Alves. Avoid. Araujo Mataferi, Figueredo Rivera, and Fiorot Leonardo. Um, I just checked. There was no Amazon click-throughs because, like, I just had a podcast three or four days ago. That makes sense. But if you want to support this free show, as I always bring you the freeze content, uh, you can go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, which helps host this year's program. And you can use the Amazon or Onnit banners to click through and make your purchases. I like the kettlebells and the hemp protein. Uh, if you like Onnit stuff or uh, Amazon, um, yeah, it's, you know, okay. Don't feel great giving the big corporations, but if you're gonna do it, at least do it by uh, helping a uh, smaller, you know, entity such as myself uh, at no cost of your own, and will help ease your conscience for having to use said corporate entities in the first place. We all win. We all win. How about that? Um, it's really appreciated, though. Thank you, those of you who do it. Or use the PayPal. Man, my man, Robert G. I'm not gonna say his last name in case I don't know if he wants his stuff given out there. But man. Um, I got to check a message from him. He, uh, it's just way too kind, way too kind. A, 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 a uh, constant supporter of this here program. And I appreciate you, Robert G. And everybody else who uses the uh, PayPal uh, donation and give direct donations to the show, which is used, felt, and appreciated. I'm just careful to shout out names for obvious and privacy reasons. Uh, but I will give out shouts as much as I can because it's, I feel like it's important. So thank you guys. Five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Of course, hit that like button and subscribe. Daniel Tom MMA on YouTube. Share this. Retweet it. Tag at the PYN Podcast on all social platforms. I don't spam your feed, but it certainly helps. At Dan Tom MMA, you can find me on Twitter. Of course, all my stuff at MMA Junkie, LimeMovement.com. Share it all. Tag me, and I will share you. Uh, as best I can. I'm a bad self-promoter, but I try. Uh, hopefully, we all uh, do a bit better uh, this Wednesday. I'll be back Wednesday night or Thursday, I should say, on this show um, for some UFC 257 action. We'll be back to you with the Line Movement Channel for a breakdown with that as well. Good luck this Wednesday on your picks and plays. And always...